0: Thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. Good morning, guys. We're continuing. um, we've, We've taken two... Sundays and set them apart and looking at the things that we do in worship. Last week we looked at communion and why do we do it, what is God saying to us in communion. This week we're looking at baptism and we called it all in. And so we're on this journey of looking at why we do what we do. Because so many times we come to church and things just seem like, well, oh, that's what we do. But the question is, why do we do it? And so we're looking at two things, and we've already looked at one of them. But Jesus specifically told the church to do and gave to the church to point us to a deeper reality of what Jesus has done in our lives and through our lives. And so that, was, that, that is communion, as it was last week and baptism which is this week. And so there's never been a greater communicator on the planet. No no better preacher on the planet than Jesus Christ himself, right? Wouldn't you agree? And so he has spoken the gospel to us in two ways. He used his words, and then he also uses pictures. That's why when Jesus taught and communicated, the scripture says that he never preached without using a parable. He was always painting pictures in people's minds because he knows us. And he knows some of us, we need pictures. Some of us needs words. some Some of us needs words and pictures. And we still need a little help, which would be me. But he knew that. And so he was communicating to us what was happening in the spirit realm when we come to him and what he is doing in us and through us. And so these, he's chosen these two pictures of baptism and communion. They're very simple, but they have a very profound meaning. And this is what I love about these two pictures that we have in our church is they, communicate, they communicate across every generation. No matter how young you, you are, how old you are, how in your middle age or middle life crisis or whatever it may be, these communicate to you. Every race, every nationality, every culture, these two things speak to us. And actually the Christian faith can be explained in two pictures. Are you ready for it? Taking a bath and having a meal. That's what it is. You can boil down to Christian faith with these two things, what they, what they represent. The tub and the table, however you want to say it. Getting washed and being fed. This is what the Christian faith actually is all about. Your inner life, how many, how many would agree your inner life needs to be washed? How, how many would agree with that? How many would agree your inner life needs to be fed? Me too. So that's why you have baptism and you have communion. And this is what Jesus does to every person who comes to him. Every person who comes to know Jesus Christ, this is what he does. He washes you and he feeds you. It's the loving heart of a loving father who washes you and he feeds you. If Jesus didn't wash you, you could not begin the Christian life. You couldn't do it. If he didn't feed you, you couldn't sustain the Christian life. So these two things really matter. And Jesus specifically gave these to the church. And they're not suggestions from Jesus. He directly gave them to us to participate in. So last week we had this amazing experience as we looked at communion and we heard what it was about. But this week I want to go deeper into baptism. And there could be questions and misunderstandings of baptism. How many here have, had, have heard different um, the, theological discussions, different thoughts about what baptism is and baptism isn't. I, I have, I, I've, I've heard it, depending on what denomination you are, depending on what your background is, depending on you know, all these different things, and, and we're not going to cover all of them today, that would be impossible, especially you don't want to be here as long as it would take for me to, disc- to talk about them, um, but there are misunderstandings. And and what's what is it supposed to be what it's not supposed to be I came across this story which is um, a long time ago St Patrick who was one of the great missionaries he was he was kidnapped from England he was taken to Ireland he escaped divinely back to uh, to England he then heard God's call to go back to the people that imprisoned him to reach them and share the gospel with the Irish and so he became St Patrick but he was baptizing and so and king angus was his name was converted he was a barbaric guy king he had converted to christianity and this was the middle of the fifth century. And so he was baptizing King Angus. And so back in those days, the, the preachers of the day carried a big, long staff. I don't know why. Maybe we could bring that back in Faith Bible Chapel and I consider with a big, long staff or not. But a lot of times it was, point, it was pointed so that when he preached, he could plant it in the ground and lean on it and teach from it. So while he was baptizing King Angus, um, what he didn't realize it, but he, he put the, the point on the king's foot. And he actually plunged it all the way into his foot. True story. Baptizes him. He brings him up, and he looks down, and there's blood in the water. So he he says, king, why did you suffer this pain in silence? And the king replied, I just thought it was part of baptism. He didn't know. True story. So we need to know what it is and what it isn't. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 28. If you have your Bibles today... Matthew 28, and this this is one of the most well-known scriptures that we would um, hear about in the church because it's about making disciples. It's the Great Commission. And Jesus told his disciples this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing. Everyone say "Baptizing." baptizing. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, go and make disciples baptizing and The word baptized here literally means to dip or to drench, to be plunged into something. This is a, a, a being totally submerged into something. Jesus actually told Peter when he was describing his suffering that Jesus was going to be going through that, that uh, Peter could not be baptized with the same baptism that Jesus was going to go through. Meaning, Jesus was describing his own suffering. Saying that suffering wasn't just going to touch him, just wasn't going to brush him, but that Jesus would be plunged into suffering. In other words, it would overwhelm him. And this is what this word baptized means. And many times when you start a new job, have you ever started a new job and you went in and it was overwhelming and someone said, hey, how'd that go? And you said, well, it was a baptism by what? By fire, meaning you were overwhelmed meaning it was not a gentle introduction. You were plunged into whatever it is that you're doing. So as Jesus said this, he said that baptism also should be in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In other words, what, what does that mean? Is this about a system or is this about a meaning? Is this about you check off these boxes or is this a deeper meaning that Jesus is trying to communicate something to us in baptism. In other words, baptism speaks of the central reality of what it means to be a Christian. And I'll explain. The Christian life is about you and me being plunged into God's Son, Jesus Christ. It means this, that we are clothed in his righteousness, that we are in Christ. It also means what baptism represents is that as you go in the water, what this represents is that you are filled with the Holy Spirit. And so when you come to Jesus, you are embraced also by the Father. You are redeemed by the Son, and you are filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the picture of baptism. Baptism is the word picture of that reality. It's the seal on your life that by faith you have been embraced by the Father. How many thankful that you've been embraced by the Father? It means you've been redeemed by the Son. How many grateful you've been redeemed? It means you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. How many? Man, this is good news. This is what baptism represents. And so, before we get into the meaning of baptism. We all know that there are different understandings of water baptism. And we don't have all the time, as as I've already said, to get into all of that. But it's, it's important for us to briefly look at that for a moment. The first believers in Jesus Christ. Everyone say first. The first believers in Jesus Christ were baptized actually on the day of Pentecost. In Acts chapter 2, Peter preached about the death and resurrection of Jesus. Many people believed, and they thought, well, okay, now what do I do? What do I do now, Peter? And Peter said this, okay, this is what you need to do. They basically, before this, if you would come over here, they said, what do we do? He says, repent and be baptized every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. This, so what do I do now that I believe in, the, in, in this Jesus, that he was the Messiah? What do I do? And Peter says, you need to repent and be baptized. So the first believers who were baptized this way, they were Jews. Sometime after this moment, the gospel went to the Gentiles, which simply just means they're not Jews. Those, you have the Jews, and then the Gentiles are the rest of the world. And shortly after the gospel went out, people were being baptized, this question came up. You ready for the question? The question came up this, what about my children? What about children of believing parents? The children, they're in a Christ-centered home. They're taught the word of God by their parents. They're raised in the faith. What about the children? How do we recognize this fact for children? That they're brought up in the ways of the Lord. How do we recognize that? Also, those asking this question, question, we're aware that in the Old Testament that boys were circumcised shortly after birth. What was that about? And, And circumcision was a sign of the Old Covenant that you are a child of Abraham. And baptism in the New Testament is a sign of the new covenant identifying with Christ. So the thought, the thought was this, well, since that was the sign in the old, under the old covenant, baptism is a sign in the, in the new, new covenant under Jesus, shouldn't children also be baptized? And so it's interesting when you look at church history how you see the progression of how they came to this understanding. So they thought then then. If if, a, if you were from a Christian family, then infants should be baptized in the same way as circumcision was a sign of the Old Covenant. So this is how this came about. Now you won't find this in the New Testament, but as the church develops in church history, you will find believers believers and parents being baptized with their children. So I just wanna set that up for us to understand kind of, because that's usually where the difference, well, do you baptize infants, do, is it just believers baptism, is which we believe? So you have these two strands throughout the church. Some say baptism is for believers, others say it's for infants. Now, I'm not gonna resolve all of this this morning, but those who believe in, in, in believers baptism, as we do here at the church, What it means is this, after you are of the age to recognize you are a sinner, to feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit that shows you you're a sinner, because you can't repent for something that you don't know is wrong. And so the Holy Spirit convicts you, he leans on you and you feel like, my gosh, I'm a sinner. And when you come to that age and you feel that and you recognize you're a sinner and you understand what Jesus did and you repent from your sins and are baptized, that's what we believe here. Now, we also want to recognize, though, the blessing of God on children of believing parents. And that's why we do child dedication, which we do here often. And so we're recognizing that God still, there's something, there's a covenant made with these children because of the parents. And therefore, we do child dedication. And, and I'm taking just a, a quick moment. I know this feels a little academic, but I just, I need to kind of paint this picture, and then we'll get into the, to the real fun stuff in just a moment. So those who practice infant baptism also find it important to recognize, though, the decision of personal faith. It's very important. And that's why they've developed over the years a, these services called confirmation. And so that you have these two people. So the thing that really matters that we need to discern and think about is we need to look at scripture and ask the question, what, what is the right way to go? And we here at, at Faith Bible Show believe in believer's baptism. We believe that that is what scripture teaches us. But we need to, as we look further into it, we need to ask this question about the way in which a person enters Christ's kingdom. I think that will help us understand as we get further into this. In the Old Testament, A person was included into God's old covenant by birth. That's how you were included. So you were born. Boom. You have the promises of Abraham. And God made a covenant with one nation, Israel. And God made a promises to Abraham and to his seed. And if you were born of the line of Abraham, this is under the old covenant, then these promises were yours because of birth. Well. In the New Testament, under the New Covenant, God makes what Jesus calls the New Covenant. This covenant is not about race. It's not, a, it's, it's not about, about people who from one bloodline. This is about people who are drawn and pulled from every race, from every tribe, from every nation, and every culture. And these people are drawn into this Jesus community. Not because they are Abraham's descendants, not because they are Jewish, but because they are related to Jesus Christ by faith. And you come into this family by being reborn, or Jesus called it being born again. And when you come underneath the new covenant, you become a part of the family. It's something different now. So just as circumcision is a sign of the old covenant given to infant boys following their physical birth, baptism is a sign of the new covenant for believers following their spiritual birth after Christ comes into their hearts and transforms their life. That's what it's about. And circumcision sealed that promise to Abraham that it was theirs now. Baptism for us. Seals the fact that the promises in God are ours through Jesus Christ. And so that just gives you some comparison. So baptism is a sign of the new covenant. And I want to look at just real quick before we get into this. I want to look at three warnings in baptism. Three warnings in baptism. Because as you get into this, you you kind of begin to wrestle a little bit. And I know this is a different type of message, but it's kind of fun to get into some deeper things every once in a while. But here's, here's the first warning in baptism or with baptism is this. Don't make a checklist. And sometimes baptism can be placed on a checklist for salvation. Jesus never did this. We have to be very careful about putting baptism on the checklist for salvation. Because baptism is an act of obedience. But it's important to point out that we are not saved by any act of obedience. Which is kind of difficult for us. The most most important thing to realize is that your right standing before God does not depend on anything that you do. That's good news, including baptism. But it's about what God offers you in Jesus Christ. This is what your salvation is about, that becomes yours when you put your belief in Jesus. No one is saved because they are baptized. No more, now listen, I I had a, um, the president of my college used to have all these one-liners and one-zingers, and so he said this, he says, no one is saved because they were baptized no more than a pink ribbon on a pig makes it a poodle. A person is saved by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, period. It is Jesus plus nothing that gives you your salvation. Ephesians 2 says this, it is by grace you have been saved. doesn't say by baptism, doesn't say by an act of obedience. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. In other words, he gave it to you, you did nothing to earn it. Not by works so that no one can boast. So in other words, if you could say, I decided to get baptized, therefore I'm saved. Well, then it it, it contradicts Scripture because now you're boasting that you did something to get you your salvation. So if we don't understand this, and this is why it's important, we will always be worried about if we've done all the right things. If we've checked all the right boxes, did I jump through all the right hoops? Did I, did I get baptized? Did I go under? Was there a little piece of me that was still sticking out, there therefore it didn't take? I mean, how, how does this happen? It's important we understand this. It's funny, but people have made some crazy things out of baptism over the years. But we need to allow our hearts and minds to open up and embrace the fact That we are only saved by grace and I receive by faith what Jesus accomplished and offered and then it becomes mine. So that's the first warning of baptism. The second one is this, don't break fellowship because of it. If someone doesn't believe the same as you regarding baptism, don't make a big deal and break fellowship with them. When Paul, Paul was writing, the, the, the Roman church, and he was, they, were having, they were breaking fellowship over all these crazy things. And he said this, he said in 15.7, he said this, accept one another, then just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. In other words, the accepting of one another, even when you disagree on some issues, brings praise to God. He's saying to accept each other in the, on the same basis as Jesus Christ has accepted you. What did you do to earn Christ's acceptance? Nothing. Nothing. And since Christ has accepted you on the basis of repentance and faith, this should be the basis how we accept one another as well. On repentance and faith. And Jesus Christ. If we add to this and we say you have to, in order to have fellowship with someone, we have to say you have to recognize my view of baptism before I can fellowship with you, then we are in a terrible position. And we're saying this, Christ may accept you, but I cannot. That's not the place we want to be. I don't want to be there. And the third warning with baptism is this, don't underestimate it either. And our reaction over, and, and, and I've seen this in, in the culture I grew up, and the reaction over the era of some churches that say baptism saves you or you can't be saved without baptism or if you're not baptized in Jesus' name. And, but you said the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so, therefore, but, but you have to be baptized in Jesus' name. And if you, if, if you don't say the name of Jesus, does it, then it doesn't count. That is nonsense. That is That is religion. And so we need to understand that in, in, our, in, in our desire to correct that error and say, no, that's not true. We run into a danger, though, of emptying baptism of its significance. And act like it's just a little thing. It really doesn't matter, but it does matter. So if we're committed to live under God's word, and we are. We have to take seriously the words of Jesus. When he said, again in Matthew 28, 19, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He actually meant that. He meant that. So in our concern to make sure we communicate that baptism doesn't save us, we can endanger, we can be in danger by saying that it doesn't do anything for us. You guys with me? Okay. So It is so much more than a human work, though. It's a command of Jesus. It's so much more than telling someone, I'm a Christian. Because if if it was just telling someone, I'm a Christian, we should just stand up in public and say, I'm a Christian. Or if if it's telling just the world that you love Jesus, then we should just be able to stand up in front of people and say, I love Jesus. But it's actually so much more than that. If we were to understand baptism, we we need to understand, now we're going to get into this, that there are two people talking. There are two people communicating in this act of baptism that we do here at our church. Meaning God is not silent in baptism. Meaning we are not the only ones saying something in baptism. He speaks to us through his word and he speaks to us through these pictures. He does not save us through baptism, but he certainly is speaking through baptism. God gave us baptism to strengthen us. So here's the question. What does God say to you in baptism? What is he speaking over you? And most of the time we focus on what we are saying to God in baptism, and we forget that God's actually speaking to us as well. So three things that some of us in the most personal in the most inner, desperate way, you need to hear this this morning. I, w- I want you to ask yourself as we look at these today, are oh, these things I need to hear in my own life? And I would believe, I, I, and I believe that the answer is yes for all of us. Every single person in this room, you need to hear what God's saying to you. We we don't serve a God that is silent. We serve a God who's always speaking, wants to change you, wants to bring you confidence in your spirit. He wants to anchor your soul so you can leave here today and say, My salvation is solid. My salvation is complete. My salvation is secure. And this is what God says to us through baptism. Number one, He says this You are washed. And this is what God says in this picture of baptism. This goes to the center of our salvation. 1 Corinthians 6.11 says this. And that is what some of you were. And he had just finished talking. They were sinners. They were participating in sin. And he says, but you were washed. Everyone say washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. God said in his word that you are justified, you are sanctified and you are washed, yes. But he also gave us a picture called baptism. So here's the question, do you struggle with guilt? Do you struggle feeling like, you know what, I, I man, the sins of my life, I, I, I know I ask for forgiveness but I still carry this guilt. Do you find it hard really to believe that all of your sins are forgiveness are, are forgiven? Is that where you are today? Or even maybe the real big one. Yeah, I believe that that, that God can forgive me of these sins, but can he forgive me of this big sin in my life? And you struggle with this. And God says this, I knew you would struggle with just words. Let me give you a picture. God says, let me make it clear to you. Find some water, get in it, and let me show you a picture of what has happened to you in Jesus Christ. You have been Washed, And you might be thinking, well, then I need to be baptized every week. <laughs> but a believer's baptism happens once. And I know people who, they got baptized when they were younger, and maybe they didn't understand it. And after they came to a, a greater knowledge of, of all of this, they decided, I'm going to get baptized again. There's nothing wrong with that. But a believer's, you need to know, a believer's baptism is, is you, it's a, it's a one-time thing. It can be a one-time thing. Because you, you come to Jesus Christ and he washes you. He washes you of all of your sin, past, present, and future. Even though you and I might be so far from what God calls us to be, even though we're going to struggle, even though we're going to fall, even though we're, we're, we're going to have temptations, and Jesus Christ, he says this, you are washed. How many are grateful for that? I'm so thankful that we are washed. Some of you desperately need to hear this today. You've trusted Christ, but you're living under this cloud of guilt that you carry. It's become your own identity because, yes, you've asked Jesus for forgiveness, but you just carry this guilt because you feel like somehow you've got to beat yourself up. It's you carry the filth of your past with you, not because Jesus wants you to have it, because you choose to have it. And God says, I want you to understand this so much that I will give it to you in words, and I will give it to you in a picture that you are washed. The second thing that God says to us in baptism is this, you have died. You have died. Romans 6.3 says this, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. When you come to Jesus Christ, a change takes place in your life. Something happens inside of you. You are altered into a new creation, which Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 7. He says this If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. This is the reality what happens when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. You may not always feel this way, you may, not always, you, you may struggle with if, if this is actually true, but it's actually true. Because God gave you the words, and He said this is true, and He gave you a picture that you're dead. This is the picture and seal for us in baptism. You once were a slave to sin, but now you're no longer. You once were under condemnation, and now you are no longer. That person who was a slave to sin, under that condemnation of sin, he has, or she has died. And that person who lived for the things of the world is gone. No longer exists, doesn't exist anymore, and you're a new creation. And it's really difficult maybe for some of us here today. We find it hard to believe that the person you used to be is really gone. And God says, okay, all right, if you're struggling with that, let let, let me give you a picture. God says, get some water, get in it, now down into the grave you go. And this is what happened to the person you were. That's the picture we get. That's why we get in the water, it signifies we are washed. We go down in the water signifying that you're dead. The old person is gone. Even though you live with the same temptations, the same struggles, listen to me, you are not that person who belonged to darkness. You are now a part of the kingdom of light, Amen. That's what baptism tells us. You, your old life is dead. Amen to that. This is why Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. What's he saying? He's saying my old life is dead, but Christ lives in me. The third thing that God says to us in baptism is this, you are Alive. If this were not true, we would never get to come up out of the baptism water. So thank God for this one. You are alive. Romans 6.4 says this, we were therefore buried with him through baptism. In other words, remember, get some water, get in it, go down. We were buried with him into death in order that Jesus as Christ was, Jesus as Christ, That's what it says. As Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. In other words, we are alive. This isn't just about going down because you're dead. This is about coming up because you were a new person in Christ Jesus. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. You have a new power. You have a new direction. You have a new destiny. And these are unchangeable facts about your life. And baptism demonstrates and gives us a word picture of what's actually happened in your life. This is a big deal. And you may not feel this way. I just actually heard a a quote yesterday. Someone told me from a, uh, a pastor, his name is Alistair Beck. He said, Christianity is the only religion that you will, you will live the rest of your life trying to become what you already are. I know you got to let that soak just for a moment. But baptism tells us what we are. We just need to believe it. Some of us find this really hard. And so God says, okay, let me show you. Get some water, get in it, the old person is gone, and a new life has begun, and you've been born again through Jesus Christ. It's not the water that does it, but the water represents what has already happened in your life. And when your earthly body gives way and you are a new creation, you will immediately be in the presence of Jesus Christ. This is what God says to us in baptism. Now remember, there are two, two people speaking in baptism. God's speaking to us, and we're speaking to God. And the first of what God says to us is the most important. Now I want us to look at what we say to God when we are baptized. And the first one is this. We say this. I believe. I believe. I believe these things are true of me. I believe I am washed. I believe that Jesus Christ has died. And I believe that I have died. I believe that in Christ I've been raised to new life. Not only do I believe, not only is this about my belief in Jesus, now I come to be baptized, which means this, now I obey. I'm going to obey you. I'm going to follow you. Christ said to be baptized. So you come to the water, you say, here I am. Why? Because you are obeying what Christ said to do. It's an act of obedience. So in this simple act of obedience, I'm pledging. Listen to this. I'm pledging my life of obedience to Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean that I'm, that I'm going to be perfect It doesn't mean that I'm always going to make it, but it means I'm going to pledge my life to be obedient to what I know Jesus calls me to be, what he calls me to function in. I'm going to walk in the reality that I am dead, but I have been raised to live a new life, brand new. Even though the shadows of my past whisper to me and try to tempt me and try to get me to to fall back into the same struggles, that's not who I am anymore. I belong, I believe, and I am obeying. Jesus, that's what baptism is about. And the third thing that we say to God in baptism is this. I belong. Baptism is a statement of belonging to Christ, but not just to Christ, belonging to his family, belonging to his body. Paul is writing the church in Corinthians, and he tells them this. He says, by one spirit... We were all baptized into one body. In other words, we belong to each other. Turn and tell someone, tell them, you belong to me. Go ahead and tell them. Now this isn't, you're not ownership. You're not saying you belong to me. You're saying we belong together. (laughs) We are one body. We belong to one another. Whether you like it or not, we belong to one another. This is is important. We emphasize the personal nature of faith a lot, and it's important we do that. I commit to follow you. I commit to believe. That's true. But no one can be baptized for you, nor can someone take communion for you. Baptism speaks of the community and nature of our faith, that we are in this together. No one can, can baptize yourself on your own. I mean, because you, it's, it is a community declaration that I'm a part of this family. And it's awesome and I'm honored to be so. Baptism gives you a picture of who you are. Because many times in our life, in our journey, we can forget. Man, I forget in my life who I am, what has happened to me, my identity in Jesus Christ. I can forget. Baptism gives us a picture. Many of us live our lives, our faith out at the level of our emotions because we, the life, life stinks sometimes. We are tossed about. And what I'm meaning by that is there, there are times in our life then that we just don't really know where we are, nor do we know who we are or whose we are. And I'm sure many of us have felt that in here. You think, man, there are, time, there are times I wake up and I feel like I'm a victorious champion in Jesus Christ today. Some days we wake up and you're just like, oh, Eeyore. That's what you feel. You feel I don't have any victory. I don't have, and, and you struggle with that. Sometimes we feel joy. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes I, I feel God's presence. Sometimes I'm like, God, where are you? Sometimes I feel God's forgiveness. Sometimes I feel the burden of my past sin. Sometimes I feel overwhelmed by my failure. Sometimes I feel like that I, I, I'm, I'm the victorious warrior again. Sometimes I feel like I'm in Christ. Sometimes I feel like I, I'm out of Christ. I, you know. Can you guys relate to this? Sometimes I feel like I'm filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I feel like I'm desperate and I don't know what in the world I feel. Sometimes I feel like my straight, my faith is strong. Sometimes I have so many doubts about what, I, what God spoke to me yesterday that I totally believe. Now today I, I'm doubting it. Sometimes I feel like I belong to my church family. Sometimes I feel like I'm disconnected to my church family. Our feelings run all over the place because we're human. And we got to wrestle through life and we have stresses and jobs and, and we, our emotions are contradictive to truth. Like a boat in the ocean going up and down and up and down. Here's what God wants for you. He does not want you to live life like that. He wants you to know who you are. And you need an anchor in your Christian life in the middle of changing emotions. This doesn't mean changing emotions are wrong, it just means we need an anchor when our emotions are changing. And baptism is a seal on our mind and our heart that as a believer, I am washed. I am a new person in Christ. I am in Jesus Christ. I am filled, every, every portion of my body is soaked with the presence of the Holy Spirit. When I walk around, I slosh around like I just got out of the baptism. You ought to see it up here, they come out of the, when they come out of the tub, they come down, you give them a hug, and it just goes That's just, what is it? They're soaked. That's the picture. That's the picture. Sometimes I don't feel these things. But baptism tells me that no matter what I feel, no matter what I'm going through, no matter what wave I'm on, that through faith in Jesus Christ, these things are true, no matter what. I believe I'm committed to a life of obedience, and I belong to the family of God. And every time you see someone baptized, that's what it says to you and me. That's why we do baptism on Sunday mornings during worship. It's a reminder of who you are as well. It's just not about them. It's about us. It's about you. It's kind of like a married couple. You go to a wedding, I'm going to a, a wedding this afternoon. I met with a, a young couple yesterday that I, I'm going to be doing their wedding later in July. And, and you, you just, you get to walk through the vows with them and you get to hear all of this. You get to see the, the, the twinkle in their eye. And it's just, it's just awesome to see that. But it, just like a, a married couple as you would, you'd go to a wedding. And as you're sitting there and you hear the couple making their vows to one another, you're also reminded of your own vows. It reminds you. And I I, I like to do weddings because as this couple in front of me is is making their vows, you, you see husbands and wives scoot a little closer to one another. You see them holding hands. You see the husband put his arm around his wife and they get a little closer. Because they are reminded of who they are who they have promised to be, and what they are called to do. This is what baptism should do for every believer, that these things are true of myself. That's what baptism says. This is who I am. That's who I am. I I have died to my old self. This is what I've promised to be, that I'm, I'm committing myself out of obedience to Jesus. This is what I'm called to do, is to be raised from the death of my old life into a new life, to live it victorious through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what baptism says to us. And if this is who you are, this is the commitment that you've made, if this is what you promised to be, if this is what that you are called to do, then my encouragement to you is, why wouldn't you want to be baptized? Why wouldn't you want to say, that's right. I, I've, I have the words. Now I'm going to jump in the middle of this picture, and I'm going to demonstrate it with my life. Just so you know, we're having a baptism next month, the last Sunday of next month. We're having a baptism. Let me encourage you, if you've never been baptized and this is true of who you are, then come on and get in the water. We'll sing the Carrie Underwood song, There's Something in the Water. It'll be a good time together. <laughs> and you just walk out in the demonstration of what God has done in your life, and the obedience of doing so. If this is not who you are, if this is the commitment that you said, you know what, I, I'm, I, I, don't, I don't want that. My question to you today is, why wouldn't you want to come to Jesus Christ? Why wouldn't you want to know the freedom that your old life has gone, that Jesus has purchased for you a new life already and He's waiting for you to put your belief in Him. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.